when people have these thoughts that like, oh, raccoons in my eavesdrop again, like messing crap up. If they would just stop and think like, well, actually, maybe they're just living their own life and I should respect them, you know, in their own way. This is Defender Radio. Michael Howie, and this is episode 502 of Defender Radio, brought to you by the Fur Bears. All right, on schedule, I've gotten my late autumn, early winter cold, so I apologize for sounding a bit raw today. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to congratulate Sherry B. from Burlington for winning the latest Defender Radio podcast draw. Sherry will be getting an advocacy kit from the Fur Bears, including a Make Fur History shirt, pamphlets, stickers and pins, and more. If you want to be in the draw for our next contest, just sign up to receive Defender Radio email alerts at thefurbears.com slash updates, and you'll be automatically entered in the next draw. I also want to thank Judith B. for being our very first Defender Radio patron. Judith will be receiving alerts about behind-the-scenes footage, exclusive blogs, and even an additional stream of interview content from each episode not available elsewhere. To join the Defender Radio Patreon and get access to exclusive content while supporting the show and the work of the Fur Bears, visit Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Defender Radio. Links are also available in this week's show notes. I absolutely love webcomics. You may have noticed that if you follow me or the Fur Bears on social media. I grew up reading Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson, and I still pull out the comics in the weekend edition of the Hamilton Spectator. But webcomics seem to be the future, and one of my latest faves is False Knees by Joshua Barkman. Joshua takes everyday circumstances for the animals we see around us in urban areas, like raccoons, rabbits, and various species of birds, and applies absurdly humorous conversations or thoughts. Though I tried valiantly throughout our interview, describing a webcomic in the often sardonic or ludicrous joke without a visual medium is rather difficult. I recommend you check out his webpage at falseknees.com while you listen. Joshua gives great detail to his drawings, creating a wonderful juxtaposition between beautiful artwork and absurd humor. But he also gives life, emotion, character, and introspections to animals often seen but seldom considered in our daily lives. Joshua sat down with me at the popular Café Pyrus in Kitchener, Ontario, for an interview, a locally roasted cup of coffee, and an opportunity to dive into the world of false knees. We'll get to that interview after this brief message from our supporters. Looking for a parka that'll keep you warm in Canada's extreme winters and not harm the animals? Check out Woolly Outerwear, a Toronto-based, made-in-Canada ethical company that utilizes military-grade technology to keep you warm and help save the lives of animals. Portions of every sale go to support the fur bears and animal sanctuary. I embrace my wild side by wearing woolly, and you can too. Learn about their commitments to the environment, the animals, and the people they work with, as well as how to buy at woollyouterwear.com or anywhere on social media. So for me, the, the place to start talking about all of this, about uh, you and false knees, is how you got started. Okay. With, with what, what was the... The thing that made you decide, I'm going to draw a comic, and it is going to mm -hmm. be called this. Okay. So, right. where, yeah, where did, where did it start? It started, I was in university in Montreal, going to Concordia University, and I'd never drawn a comic before, but a friend came up to me. Uh, he was working at the university-run paper at the time, or one of the two, and they were looking for 
just stuff to take up space. Yeah, I, I recall working for a <laughs> college newspaper. Yeah, they probably had an odd number of pages, and they needed a, you know, to even it out. Um, and he came to me since he was working at the paper. He knew that I was, I don't know, like to draw, so he suggested that I draw something for the newspaper. And I came up with, I think I drew five comic strips, the first five I'd ever done in my life. And they liked it. I think they didn't like one of them. And they just ran those four, and then I kept with it. Wow. Yeah. But so you, it's the, no big background in arts or anything nope. like that? No. Nope. So that's surprising to me. When I look, in all honesty, when I look at the quality, and that's something I want to talk with you about after, but uh-huh. I would have assumed there is some type of training involved in well, what I you've mean, done. Well, I mean, I drew a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, ever since I was really, really tiny, I've always drawn. Um, but yeah, the comics were a completely new thing at the time, and they look it. Like, if you look back at them now, they're pretty rough. I think I drew them on, like, four different sheets of paper and cut them each out, and, like, I pasted <laughs> things on top of... Like, I, I did the words in a different thing, and then I pasted yeah. it on top. It was a mess. Um, but, yeah, that's how I started. And the name, it doesn't mean anything. It's uh, It was a placeholder. They needed a name to put on the... You know, beside my name. Um... I think I just like the sound of it phonetically. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. It looks good, too, when you write it out. Yeah. It has a nice look to it. Yeah, it's like a nice straight intersecting lines. I mean, most letters are. (laughs) (laughs) Letters tend to do that. (laughs) No, but it is, it's, they, 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 for some reason, it does have a a visually pleasing look to it. Just Mm -hmm. the the shape of the word and everything like that. Yeah. My, uh, my favorite excuse for why it's called that now is based on um, people ask me that often yeah. what, the, what does the name mean? because it's, I don't know People, it, it, it's just normal enough that it might be referring to something so people latch yep. onto it so this one person messaged me saying like, oh false knees, I get it now it's because birds don't have knees or like it appears like birds it's the, going the wrong way yeah. or something so I thought that was kind of fun <laughs> Maybe I'll tell people that. <laughs> so, so, so you adopted someone's misconception yeah, yeah, of the name yeah. to be the reason for the name. Even though I don't think birds appeared in the comic until like 150 <laughs> <laughs> into the strip. Well, and that's so that's something that's that's really interesting. And I've I wrote down this question like four different ways in my little notebook here. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start with, so I was reading an interview. There's not a lot about you on the internet yet. Right. Which surprises me given the popularity of the comic. Um, so yay for being the second person to do this uh, for me. You you said that you referenced a book that you really enjoyed, mm. and you said for bird nerds, it's mm-hmm. something that they would really like. Do you consider yourself a bird nerd? No, no, I don't. Like, I really enjoy drawing them, and I I like looking at them, but I've never gone out of my way to uh, wake up early one morning to go to a secluded spot and stay still for seven hours. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I enjoy it when I see it, but it happens by accident. Like if I ever see a bird in the wild. Um, and I, I certainly don't know anything about them academically. Uh, so. Well, and it is interesting. You, there, there seems to be this 
ongoing contradiction between what one would assume looking at the comic, especially in this modern iteration, right, in the last several months especially, okay. uh, maybe the last couple of years, where it's, it's very focused on animals, particularly birds. But when I look at a lot of the drawings, especially when you're doing your Inktober yeah. uh, thing, which I, I love people who do that kind of stuff, especially when it's good art. It's yeah, just it's, fun. It's really fun. Uh, maybe yeah. not for you some days, but it's fun for me. It's fun most days. All right. Yeah. Um, but looking at that, they look like the sketches that come out of, you know, like Charles Darwin's notebooks when he was exploring or oh, an wow. Audubon, Audubon book. Like, yeah, they're, I, they're I, very yeah. detailed and specific, but still convey personality. So when I look at that, I think, well, this guy must love birds. <laughs> Right, like yeah, obviously, no, I, I, I definitely don't hate them. I don't. Have <laughs> <laughs> this isn't all a ploy to get closer to the birds. <laughs> yeah, I'm drawing them because oh, <laughs> just trying to get closer to them. enemies. No, no, no. I, I love all animals. I really do. Um, but I don't hold birds higher than mammals or. Reptiles. It's just the way it's sort of come together. Yeah. Or birds are the the muse or the the mm -hmm. character you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. They seem to. In my mind, they seem to be a bit... Often they're kind of like tricksters, like crows. Mm -hmm. You can very easily see them being sarcastic. And uh, I know I'm, I'm just putting these human emotions onto birds, but I feel like people kind of share these opinions about certain birds. Um, Canada geese, they're just like out there to ruin people's day. Um, They're kind of like the Labrador Retriever of the bird world in my brain. <laughs> They're so, I'm just going to do my thing, and, yeah. you know, if you have to break your car and cause an accident, yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm on my way. Yeah, they'll just go onto the street because that's the thing to do right then and there. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, what was the impetus to change? Because your earlier art was people. <laughs> and I think it was you're drawing yourself at times, too. Yeah. Why did you decide to... And it, it's not just a gradual oh, I'm going to do a couple of animals here and there. You kind of, you hit a point and it was no more people, only animals. Just flipped a switch. Yeah. Um, well, for one, people like it more. It's just, in my case, they're going to be a lot more accessible. Yeah. If it's on kind of a neutral face. And if I draw myself, I'm a white man in my 20s. That's not going to be accessible for everybody. It's going to be a minority of the audience. Yeah. Um, I got tired of drawing myself. That makes sense. I would often, like, take pictures of myself in certain positions, like doing stupid faces. So if I go through my photo library from, like, a few years ago, it's just, like, dozens of pictures, one after the other, of me making stupid faces. Um, that was fun. But it was time-consuming... And, yeah, I didn't like it in the end. It was just, it, it felt like it was very self-serving. Yeah. Um, and animals are more fun to draw. And I think there's a lot more uh, that I can do with that. Like, I can tell any story I want to. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be tied to who I am or who I think I am. So. Well, that makes, it sort of, it gives you an opportunity to explore the world in a different way. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense to me. And that's something, you know, I know when I talk with fiction writers who, mm -hmm. well, I can write about myself or I can try writing about this person I have no connection to. Yeah. And even though they, they walk into it with the knowledge that they may not and probably won't get it right necessarily, right. it gives them that avenue to explore an idea in a very different way. 
Yeah, and I know that I'm not gonna get <laughs> I'm not gonna get what birds are thinking right. I but... think you get the raccoons <laughs> right most of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I kind of have a personality for each of the animals that I <laughs> that I do. Yeah. Well, and that's I. What I enjoy is that you've taken a lot of ordinary situations, and I'll use the, the raccoon, a couple of the raccoon ones as examples. I love raccoons. Living in southern Ontario, obviously, we're very, very used to raccoons, yeah. uh, especially the closer you get to Toronto. I think um, we ought to embrace it. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and you take situations that you could look out my window and see, yep, those are those raccoons doing that thing, you know, going through yeah, the garbage. Yeah, yeah. And there's one recent one holding the banana. Yeah. Um, and they have this completely absurd conversation that I could see having with a friend yeah. when we're kind of bored or have had too much to drink or something. <laughs> um, and say, like, well, I haven't seen the banana tree, so it doesn't exist. <laughs> and then it's the, oh, I can't, I'm going to kill your joke. I'm sorry, but I'm going to exp explain the visual humor. Yeah, no, it's uh, great. It's wrong. great on a... On an audio-based medium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't see how it could go wrong trying to explain. <laughs> and then right a here, <laughs> a draw a line. Yeah, Su super, super good at this. Um, but it, it's a, it's a, it is absurd humor, and it's to me very reminiscent of Calvin and Hobbes, which I grew up oh, reading. Thank you. Yeah, me too. And it's that sort of taking an ordinary situation and just going a little, like, five degrees to the left of logic. Mm -hmm. So it still makes sense, but it's a little absurd. Yeah, I like to think that they... It sticks to their own sense of logic. Like, yes. I, don't, I don't want them to just be doing random things, although on occasion I have done that, but uh, not every time. I feel like people would get really bored of that if it was just, and then what happens next? I don't know, something just completely off the wall. And, and they're, that's great, too. I love things that don't make sense. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's one of the fun things about, I think, the comic genre. Yeah. Is you can combine these levels yeah. of realism and absurdism in a way that I don't really think you can necessarily get away with in other circumstances. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if you look maybe at a classic example of Monty Python, mm -hmm. visually, you're always looking at it going, well, that's four British dudes dressed up as women. Like, that's there. You right. can't get away from that. Right. But with a comic, you can just create something new. Uh, yeah, and Monty Python definitely played on that. That like they didn't make it so that they actually looked like women. Like their wigs were yes. always kind of they were skewed, and the voice kind of dropped a couple yeah, octaves yeah, yeah, in certain. Yeah. yeah, but with comics, you can literally draw anything that you can think of. So you can play with yeah absurdity. You can play with what's possible, and. Yeah, you can make things look like it could happen, and it's completely made up. And yeah, it's it's wonderful. Well, and what's interesting, and I, I don't know if you have any knowledge of any of this. Again, it's it's an interesting situation for me doing this interview mm -hmm. because I'm going into it somewhat blind with okay. you. Because uh, as I said, there's not a lot about you out there, okay. uh, which I find odd given the popularity of the comic. Now, much I love the comic, I, I would assume there would be more. So normally, I would have spent two days like cyber stalking you. I think I got 20 minutes into it and hit a wall. Um, oh, really? Interesting. So, okay. Do, I don't know if you have any academic background or knowledge of this, but when we talk about animal emotions, there's all this new science coming out showing that these animals who are social have deep social lives and they have uh, uh, morals and ethics, and some of them even have culture. Okay. Uh, we're seeing animals using tools in ways we never would have thought before. So you're probably familiar with some of the crow stuff. Definitely. I'm sure you've seen, yeah. They're yeah. using tools mm -hmm. the way we used to think only primates could. Uh, they're yeah, showing yeah, yeah. memories. 
using sticks to let, well, I mean, I don't know much about it, but yeah. unlocking Yep, so it's, it's, it's teaching them if you use this stick to press that button that you can't otherwise access, yeah. you'll get a treat. Yeah. So it's okay, we, you, you, we've taught you to push this button, and I'm pointing to an imaginary button for everybody listening. <laughs> if you push this button, uh, a treat comes out, and then they make that button hard to reach, but provide tools they could use to do it, yeah. and they're able to do it relatively quickly. Hmm. Uh, and again, I compare that to myself, and I probably break it trying to get the button and not think to use the stick. So, or no, I I, I definitely can relate to that because I, I remember seeing a video. It was probably of a chimp, but I think I've seen a crow do this as well, where they have to fill a vial that's that has water in it, and there's a seed floating on top, but it's a little too far down to get um, with their beak. So they. There's stones beside the vial, and they put the stones yes. in one by one. Yeah, I I think I would be in there for <laughs> several hours before I could think of it. Yeah, that. It's like, how do I take this out and dump it upside down yeah, and get yeah, the damn yeah, seed yeah. out? Just try to break the thing yeah. before. Yeah. So it's it's interesting when mm -hmm. when you say it's you know creating this narrative that may not be right, but then to also think maybe it is right. Yeah. Like they, we were learning so much about that fact. Just because we don't communicate like them doesn't mean they don't communicate or they don't have the same types of thoughts. And while it's not, it's, and uh, there's a, a, a researcher, uh, Dr. Mark Beckoff, who I have a great amount of respect for and I've interviewed several times. And he talks about how we both feel anger, but a bird's anger might be different than a human's anger, mm -hmm. but it's still anger. Mm -hmm. Or still happiness or joy or sorrow or whatever. Yeah. And then how we display it, of course, is different too. So when I look at that and I sort of think, oh, that's funny, and go, wait, maybe they actually are having a conversation about a banana. Yeah. Right? Like it's, huh, maybe it is possible. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, a lot of the time my comics are pretty silly, so it might sound a bit absurd if I were to tell you that I do put a lot of thought into that. Like, I don't ever want any of my characters to come off as being dumb or like I want to maintain a certain amount of respect for the things that I'm portraying because I know that they are portraying real animals and a lot of uh, animals that people see every day like a lot of the animals I do are city birds or raccoons which are really common in this part of the world but a lot of people think that they're like a pest yep. or they're dumb or they're just there to like make a mess of their yard, like skunks are digging up your yard or raccoons making a mess of your garbage. And I really want to try to show a different side of them, even if it's not a real side of them. I want to show that there might be something else to them so that when people have these thoughts that like, oh, raccoons in my eavesdrop again, like messing crap up, um, I want them to kind of, if they would just stop and think like, well, actually, maybe they're just living their own life and I should respect them, you know, in their own way. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm going for. Well, and I really get that. And that's, you know, with what I do is I, I frequently rely on logic and science to try and prove my point. Uh, when we're talking, the exact same conversation is raccoons are pests. Well, no, these are, let's look at who these beings are. And yeah. I kind of break it down and I rely on the science to, to talk a lot about it and uh, so on. But to have that ability, and it's, it's almost what Disney has done in a lot of ways of saying, what if? Sort of, what if there's more to this than we think there is? Yeah. And yeah, of course, Disney takes it a few steps further. Uh, because really, when would a baby deer and a bunny rabbit ever get along? 
Or like, it just why doesn't do they make have sense. to wear clothing and and have the exact same roles that people have, like being princes and kings? And the one I still don't get is why they either wear shirts or pants, but rarely both. Because firstly, if <laughs> I'm walking, uh, Mickey doesn't oh, Mickey, Mickey have Mouse. pants? Yeah, Mickey Mouse, the first one. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, and then Donald Duck, he's got just the shirt. Yeah, and I was thinking about this the other day while walking around without pants on in my house. And it's really uncomfortable. It doesn't feel natural. Like naked shirt, just pants shirt, uh, but shirt no pants. Shirt it feels no pants weird. Is unnatural. I yeah. agree. It's, I, yeah, it's unnatural nature, for me. Yeah. I got to think it's unnatural for a duck. <laughs> so that's just that's not even absurdism. That's just ridiculous. Do Donald and Daffy ever meet up? Like, what do they think of each other? They did in Roger Rabbit. Who framed Roger Rabbit? The the piano scene, dueling pianos. Roger Rabbit wears a bow tie. Doesn't he have like he's got like a full uh, jumper oh, on or something? Pants? Oh, oh man! Well, he also has like red hair. Yeah, and a human girlfriend, and that's just <laughs> we can't. We're trying to keep this family friendly, so we're not going to get into the anthropomorphizing <laughs> right. of that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. uncomfortable that's for everyone. Uh, anyway, you often. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious now. You often bring it's up a serious conversation. <laughs> it's very serious. Um, in a lot of your comics, there are subjects relating to what I would call philosophy or psychology or sociology. And that's, uh, there's one of a, uh, a bird saying, you know, who am I? And what I do today is what I will be remembered for. Yeah. And these are very big thoughts that I think when you've been through sort of the education system and introduced to these kinds of thoughts, you kind of go, oh, yeah, okay. You know, these are, these are the great thoughts that have been thought by yeah. the great thinkers. Yeah. And you are having a chickadee on a branch <laughs> think these thoughts. Yeah. And it, it comes across as humorous, but I look at it because it's, it's obviously an absurd kind of, you know, this uh -huh. little <clears throat> pea-brained bird having these grand thoughts. But do you wonder or do you imagine that these animals may actually have these these questions about identity and self and purpose the way we do. Hmm, do I actually believe that they could have these thoughts? I, I believe that they've got to be thinking about something. And I know they think about, if they think about anything, they're thinking about survival a lot of the time. So if they're thinking about survival, yeah, maybe they think about death. And if they can think about death, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they can think about life and and ask themselves why are they here and i don't think it's too far-fetched i think definitely they probably don't think about it the same way that we do <laughs> maybe they have a long maybe chickadees have a long rich history of philosophers it's possible their own aristotle or um i'm sure i could think of a bird pun it's not happening <laughs> <laughs> on the spot humor come on make Aristotle a bird name um, um, where, where was I going with that I, I have studied anthropology in university I'm not sure why I brought that up you were thinking you were talking about we'll talk education. about the ologies so yes. some of the which are very often I think a lot of people will at the very least dabble in through their post-secondary education. Yeah. Right? So a lot of people will take a philosophy class, a psychology class, a sociology class. Yeah. So you become familiar with the concepts. Mm -hmm. uh, and while you may not spend a lot of time thinking about them or practicing those things, 
they become just sort of background knowledge for you. So when you see it, you go, oh, that's this. Yeah. And that's kind of, uh, while I have not formally studied any of them, that is where my brain kind of goes when I see some of these is that sounds like, yeah. you know, a deep philosophical thought. It doesn't right. sound like something that you just arbitrarily wrote down. Right. Yes. Yeah, it is, it is a philosophical thought, but everybody's capable of these thoughts at the same time. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't try to, I don't do a lot of philosophy research doing these comics. I don't <laughs> go into the really deep, <laughs> dark corners of... Um, I would like to see you crouched over like piles of <laughs> textbooks at the library, furiously scribbling uh, notes to yeah. take home when you do your art. <laughs> Sometimes I I research these things far too much for what they end up being. <laughs> uh, you would have no idea seeing the comic, but uh, yeah. Well, who is your favorite character so far? You've now there. There's a lot where I don't know that you would call them individual characters, but sort of groupings. Mm -hmm. So you, you'll have your raccoon conversations, and you'll have your birds. You've recently done a snake, and you yeah. did your cat, which was fun. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's owned a cat, look at that and go, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, the prey, or the, yeah. approaching the prey in the jungle, and it's a piece of tape on the floor. Yeah. Uh, again, explaining visual humor uh, <laughs> on an audio podcast. That and that comic is no words, except for tape. Yeah. It was a little sound effect. Um, yeah. Uh, favorite characters? Definitely like the raccoons. I think I'm going to... For the first time in my comic history, actually attempt a storyline coming out of the raccoons. It's a little teaser. <laughs> That's exciting. I, the raccoons are my favorite. Oh, yeah? Okay. Just, just FYI. Cool. Uh, especially there is the one, and again, I, I feel like such a, a jerk for doing this. Uh, I'm going to have to li like do time notes and link to which one I'm talking about. But Again, we're recording this visually. Is this oh, yeah, this oh, yeah. There's, a, there's a camera off in the corner. Great. Um, and it can catch all of our expressions and hand motions. Good. Um, and I actually, I had to stop an interview once and say, by the way, I'm nodding. Uh, because I caught myself agreeing with what someone was saying and not actually using words or sounds. <laughs> um, and they were talking about the, uh, the acorn and it's an invitation. Uh, not a acorn, a pine cone. A oh, pine cone. Okay. Is it here's yes. your invitation? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a pine cone. It's like, well, can I have it back then? No. Uh, <laughs> and I read. I looked at that, and that was like a genuinely like laugh out loud. Send it to five different people, uh -oh. and then two days later, look at it again and still giggle. Uh oh. Um, uh, thank you very much. Well, so and that's. A, I mean, to me, that's the value of that kind of humor. It's like it's you have combined both. You know, a real conversation you'd have with someone, right? Here's your invitation, blah, blah, blah. You've taken the behavior and movement of raccoons, and they're hanging around. It's like, yeah, that's what raccoons do. And then you've created this dialogue that I could genuinely see two raccoons having. As, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, like, why not? That, that part about it's like, well, can I have it back? No. It yeah. just, yes, that is what a raccoon would say in this circumstance. Yeah. And I think that's what is so special about what you're doing is it it's, it's absurd and it's it's funny, but at the same time, it does, it forces me to go, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Keeping one foot in quasi-reality. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I don't know, I take that as a very high compliment. I feel like that's kind of exactly what I'm going for, so <laughs> that comic paid off. works out nicely. Yeah. yeah. So other than a story arc, which you've now teased for the raccoons and I'm going to hold you accountable <laughs> to, um, 
what's next? I mean, how do you are you looking to grow this? Are you looking to create this as your uh, your full time thing? I th I saw you set up a Patreon. Yeah. Um. So we'll we will include the link to that in the show notes. <laughs> of all the things I've talked about, including links too, that's the one that's actually going to be there. Um. Is, what's next? Is it? Are you trying to advance this to the point? Are you looking for syndication? Um, anything like that? It's it's tricky. Um, it, actually, well, I shouldn't say it's tricky. It's the easiest. It's the best time to be a comic artist, a cartoonist in the history of the industry. It is the <laughs> best time. Like. I'm not going to get syndicated to a newspaper. I know that. That's fine. That's over. Yeah. That dream, like, it was open for very brief. Well, I think most of, of them have a few strips on the daily basis, and then, like, the weekend is two pages. Yeah. 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 And it's great for them. They're all doing really well. The rest of cartoonists, they still have a lot of opportunity on the Internet. It's incredible. There's so many. You would never be able to read all of them. Um, and because of that, because of the time that we're living in with the internet, I am able to keep it up as a full-time job right now. Um, since, technically since January, I've been doing this exclusively. Like I quit all my other jobs uh, because I, I had to make I had to make it the thing that I do every day. And if it didn't work, that's fine. I knew that, you know, I gave it a good shot. Um, and after a few months, I noticed that it was actually working, sort of. So, um, yeah, I'm able to live off, like, selling prints of my comics and Patreon, like you mentioned. Um, and I forget the question you asked me. <laughs> What's I'm just it? rambling here. <laughs> This is why I'm awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, the question was, uh, what's next? What's, what's, next? what's your plan right. to grow or change, or are you just going to keep going at what you're doing? Yeah, no, I, I, I try different things out and see if they work. And um, some things I have to stop because I don't have enough time. Like, uh, people are really interested in getting... Um, commissions from me and they're very time consuming so I'd, I've had to stop them temporarily and focus on just doing comics which is what I want to do anyway I want to provide things for everybody to see not just like a few people um, and so my plan is to keep it basically the same uh, maybe do even more comics in the future do some storylines um, bigger comics uh, like longer form which I'm not really comfortable with but it's something that I really strive for like in my head that's what my comic is going to look like it's going to be longer form going to get out of these boxes uh, that I've constrained myself with and yeah maybe go into like making some books or something to check out False Knees, visit falseknees.com or find Joshua's latest work on Facebook, Tumblr, or Instagram at False Knees. If you want to learn more about Cafe Pyrus, where this week's interview was recorded, visit cafepyrus.com or find them on Facebook at Cafe Pyrus. I want to thank Joshua for joining me for this great interview and the folks at Cafe Pyrus for hosting us for this unique episode. 
Remember, if you'd like to hear some exclusive clips from this interview not included in the episode, join Patreon at patreon.com slash Defender Radio. That's it for this week, folks. Thanks for joining me, and please do follow me on social media at Defender Radio on Facebook and Twitter, and Howie Michael on Instagram. Also remember to sign up for weekly updates that will come right to your inbox at thefurbears.com slash updates. For Defender Radio and the Fur Bears, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong. <laughs>